You're listening to Rock, Pop, and Roll. Hey there. How you, how you doing? You're doing well. We always hope you're doing well. It's rock, pop, and roll. Today's episode is uh, digging back into songs that not top 40 hits necessarily, although there's a couple of couple of anomalies here. A couple outliers that were top 40 hits, but they weren't these songs were not top 40 hits, but they were rock radio hits. And what's that really mean? If it was a rock radio hit, not a top 40 hit. Some great throwbacks to a time when rock radio was more than just the day after day classic rock same song repeats that it has become. I'm Rob Nichols. We talk rock and roll and pop music from the playlist of the decade of the 1980s directly from Indiana to digital right here in my recording desk slash studio. We want to take you to the 80s. This is what we do in, in the 80s. And I'm a kid of that time. That was when I was listening to the radio, a teen. There was a, there was rock radio, AOR, album-oriented rock and roll. There was a, For a brief period of time, there was Rock 40. And these were... Most of these stations were considered in, in what the radio trade publications of the time, Radio and Records, um, Billboard Magazine, to be like a top 40 CHR station rather than AOR. So they were listed a lot of, many times just as a top 40 station, but they rocked a little harder. And for a time in the mid to the late 1980s, the legendary WMMS out of Cleveland considered themselves a Rock 40 station. I listened, I was in southern Michigan, and there was a station in Jackson, Michigan, Q106, that fit that bill. They vacillated, uh, sometimes a little, as they rolled through their years, a little more rock and roll, a little more AOR, but I remember them, just a hot presentation, but it was still rock and roll. So that was, that was my, that was, that was me growing up, tuning into that with the boombox out shooting baskets in the driveway, Right? That kid. So we're going to look back at some of these songs, jump into them. Uh, I got a, a good list here. Uh, rock radio charts, AOR charts, today's mainstream rock. <laughs> there is a music chart in Billboard magazine that ranks the most played songs on mainstream rock stations. But now, as we record this, 2023, that's bands like Godsmack and Disturbed and Nickelback and Five Finger Death Punch and the lot. And so that's not, that's not, I, I'm not there. I was back when the original chart was launched in 1981 as a rock albums and top tracks chart. It was like a hot 100 top 40 chart at the time for songs that were on rock radio. Songs moved in and out of that chart. Not like now. The songs spend a lot of time on a chart, like a year. These would spend a couple of months on the chart if it was a, if it was a hit. Less than that, if it was an album track on that rock station, then kind of came and went. The charts in radio and records and Billboard, they rank the airplay on those album rock stations. And those stations 
played tracks from the albums, not just the singles, not just the same old, same old. Listed the top individual songs that were played, so you, you had a couple of lists. The first number one song on that top tracks chart, which was on the rock radio, was I Can't Stand It by Eric Clapton. That was when those charts started back in 1981. And the charts, they changed their names, and they there was a modern rock chart, a mainstream rock chart in 1996. But, uh, you know, rock radio changed. Not for the better. Deregulation in 1996. Uh, downfall. The killing. The beginning of the death of what we knew as radio. Because instead of owning a couple of stations in a market, an ownership group can own you know, hundreds or thousands of stations, and it made the playlists more generic. Anyway, that's another podcast. We, You know, if you listen, if you know, if you listen to radio and you have for a while, you know how it changed. Not for the better. AOR is a lost format. It's a lost art. There's, there's some stations. The closest most come as a format is... AAA, Adult Album Alternative. So some of those stations that you can find, and you can find a lot of these on the internet, and I'll bump around and, and listen. I have low tolerance for commercials, so if if I'm hearing a lot of commercials, I still, you know, it's it's easier for me to go to Spotify or go to a, a podcast. And was talking to a guy about this who used to be in radio uh, the, the weekend I recorded this, and he's in the same place. You know, he drives and listens to podcasts. Do you drive and listen to radio? You know, some people do. It's easy to do, you know, but now your car, if you've got a newer car, it's got the big screen there in the middle of the dashboard and you can access your phone. You can access, you know, whatever. Easy. Not just AM and FM, but there are still some stations that do, you know, what I'd say good work. Chicago's WXRT. Philadelphia's got XPN. Uh, Boston has a couple of stations, including an Americana station, WUMB, uh, Kink, K-I-N-K, out in Portland. Nashville's got a uh, Lightning 100. They've got a, about three stations in that market. Lots of, it, here in Indianapolis, where I live, WTTS fits that bill. It's a Bloomington, Indianapolis, AAA station. So varying degrees of rock. So that's, you know, if you want to listen to, to what used to be uh, rock radio, as close as you're going to get is probably this and the different, you know, go to Wikipedia, look up, AAA, Adult Album Alternative, and they'll give you a, a, a list. You can, you know, dig into yourself. See if you find anything there. What we're going to do today is jump into a podcast of, of a bunch of songs that were on rock stations of the 80s, not top 40 hits, but made an impact on listeners like me. Like me, back in that decade. So let's take a trip. Forgotten and, and some favorites and dig in with it. I'm going to start in 1984. So we'll go kind of chronologically. In 84... There was a band called Orion the Hunter. In that band, uh, former Boston member Barry Goudreau on guitars, Brad Delp, who was the lead singer of Boston, uh, did some backing vocals on this. Future Boston lead vocalist, a guy named Fran Cosmo, was the lead vocalist in this band. The album charted at number 57 on the top 200 in 1984. It was a top 10. This song was a top 10 rock radio hit. It's called So You Ran. I mean, sounds like Boston, right? 
course it does. It, what it was doing was filling in the gap. You were waiting. Boston had a couple of albums, late 70s, debut album, and then Don't Look Back, and then they didn't do anything. The Boston third stage album, their third record didn't come out until 1986. So you wanted to hear what, a, what Boston might sound like? This was a hit on Rock Radio. Orion the Hunter. And uh, so you ran. Rock, pop, and roll the podcast. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Guy became a DJ. Guy named Kim Mitchell. You know the name Kim Mitchell? He was an afternoon, became an afternoon drive time uh, rock radio host on a Toronto rock station, Q107. Did that for a little more than 10 years. He was in a band called Mac, Max Webster, which was a Canadian uh, hard rock band. Formed in the early 70s, they had, in Canada, between 76 and 81, five gold albums, one platinum album. They were radio, FM radio uh, heroes, staples in Canada. The only song that charted, though, for Kim Mitchell was one that went to number 12 on the rock tracks. It did hit the Hot 100, went to number, went to number 86. Song reached number 22 in Canada. Just a piece of ear candy that still still sounds good. Do you remember that? Did they play that on your rock and roll station back in the mid-80s? Go for soda. Kim Mitchell, by the way, in 2020, was inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. So I love that. If I have to look at my list, I mean, I like a, a, most of the, I like all these songs, but some more than others and a couple of favorites. And uh, there's uh, probably three on here. I'm like, man, oh, I really like that one. This next one is one of those. 1985, actually recorded in 85. It charted slow charting in 1986, crept up the Hot 100 charts. This is the true anomaly on the list. This one was not a rock radio hit, and and it was played on that Rock 40 station that I was listening to, Q106. But it became a number 17 hit uh, for a guy named Charlie Sexton, a kid, recorded it. I think he recorded this when he was 17 years old. I've told this story before, um, but my great uh, buddy Tom Smith and I went to see Charlie Sexton in Toledo, Ohio at a little bar called Kipps West. And we knew only of Charlie Sexton because we were hearing him on the radio, uh, but there was something about the song, and then he was going to play Toledo was you know, a little more than an hour from where I lived. He's going to play a little bar. I'm like, yeah, let's let's do that. And I think I wasn't 21 yet. I think that was a uh, <laughs> now that now that I think about this, I think you could still get into a bar. You could still drink in Ohio when you were 18 at this time because this was 86. So I would have been 20. Do the math. So we drove down. So we drove down for tickets. There was no ticket master for this. You got tickets at the box office. We had no idea is this going to be a 
Is it going to sell out? Is there, who's going to be there? So we went and we bought some, <laughs> we went ahead of time and bought some tickets, walked into the club. Nobody, nobody there couldn't find anybody selling tickets. Uh, but there was a band on stage sound checking. <laughs> and so we finally found somebody who sold us, I don't know, $5 tickets. We were getting ready to drive back home just because this was not the day of the show. And, uh, found, found out it was the band Nazareth on stage doing sound check. I thought, yeah, well, there, the, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea at the time. I didn't know what Nazareth even looked like. And they weren't doing like hair of the dog. They weren't doing anything that you knew, uh, they were so, and then we went back to Kips and saw the and saw the show, uh, and it was a great show, short show. He played all the songs from his from his album, the Pictures for Pleasure album, like twelve songs. Tom uh, left his little uh, party coat that he had had taken, and left it on the back of a chair. I don't think we ever got that back. We set it at a table right up front. One of the encores was was Rebel Rebel. He played his hit. Cold beat so lonely. Charlie Sexton, he'd later go on to play with uh, Elvis Costello and the Imposters on their 2021 tour. Uh, still, I think, playing with them. He was with Bob Dylan for a long time as his guitar player on the Never Ending Tour. Yeah, that had, had that uh, you know that David Bowie, uh, Billy Idol, that kind of production going on with that album, and uh, he he did have another. His follow up single was called "Don't Look Back," so he continued to to perform as a solo artist. But that was my run, uh, intersection with Charlie Sexton. As we look at some rock songs that were hits on rock radio, but not necessarily top forty radio. So this was the 80s. So at this time, I was working for a little station called WCSR in Hillsdale, Michigan. It was 1984 to 89 is when I worked there. I was in college. Um, you play whatever you wanted. They ordered 45s of the top hits of the week, kind of an AC station during the day. They had an hour of country music during the day. It's one of those stations. Uh, but they bought albums every month, uh, a lot of sports. They got a top 40 AC station. But nighttime, you could play anything you wanted. And when I was there, well, you know, we rocked at night. So that was what I was doing on the radio as these songs were coming out. Uh, I eventually moved on to WORX down in Madison, Indiana. Worked for a while in Fort Wayne at WOWO, which is cool, back when it was 50,000 watts. Uh, WORX was neat because uh, for a year or so, programmed it, and we put on a like a Sunday night block that had the Superstar Concert Series and Dr. Demento, and I did a um, kind of a alternative country um, deep album cut Sunday night show called The Recliner. But anyway, it's just a little brief snippet of, of where I was at the time when these were on on the radio. So uh, late, later in the 80s, 1987, a guy named Tom Kimmel had a, had a single that was on rock radio. It was called That's Freedom. I think I saw the video. Uh, it was on his 5 to 1 album. Uh, gave him a little bit of a top 40 hit, became a top 10 hit later for an Australian singer, John Farnham, who I believe was in the Little River Band for a while. But Tom Kimmel, this is where I heard it. I think, like I said, I think I saw the video first. Yeah, uh, Brian Adams' take on this is what it sounds like.
The writing's nothing super special, but to me, you know, it's one of those you could get, turn up loud in the car. I mean, Brian Adams was hot at that time. And, and that's where Tom Kimmel was, that's where he was coming down with this stuff. Uh, rock, pop, and roll. You remember a band named Jimmy Davis and Junction? Vaguely remember? I vaguely remember. This was back when I was at that WCSR station. Um, somehow this CD, I don't know if I bought it somewhere, I, This is, but this is what I heard. I think I bought it later, found it cheap, you know, in the buck bin. So I think I still got the CD. He had a song called Kick the Wall, which would peak at number 67 on the pop charts. It went to number 32 on the mainstream rock charts. Not necessarily a huge hit. It was one of those, you kind of heard it, thought, "Uh, that's not bad. And And then it went away. Kick the wall. Almost a pop metal production. Get into that late 80s sheen. So about 30 30 years later, they released another album, the follow-up, called Going the Distance. He became a country songwriter, uh, performed background vocals, uh, on one of my uh, favorite albums, who in the hell is John Eddy from a New Jersey rocker, John Eddy? There's background vocals on that. A band out of, of the uh, out of the South, Omar and the Howlers. He had a, he had a an album in late '88 um, called "Hard Times in the Land of Plenty." Omar and the Howlers. Originally, they were from Mississippi, moved to Austin, Texas. He signed a recording contract with Columbia, recorded this album, went gold, sold over 500,000 copies. He inducted into the Austin Music Hall of Fame. You never hear this song anymore. Sadly, he was afflicted with a skin illness that uh, he can't can't use his arms to play guitar anymore, so he can't play in public. Ended up putting out 23 albums, did did Omar. Uh, And this was the one that was... Got him on the radio a little bit. Hard times in the land of plenty. A little Brian Johnson ACDC feel. Some of that Texas Stevie Ray Vaughnish. Uh, fabulous Thunderbirds sounding kind of stuff. I mean, he's from Austin, so they're all from the same area. Rock, pop, and roll. Rolling through the uh, songs that were hits on, on Top 40 radio. Uh, maybe a little bit, but they were ser- certainly rock radio hits. Uh, this is one I remember listening to driving in the car uh, around Detroit for some reason. A punkish sound. I don't think this one quite reached the uh, hinterlands of the of the small town of, of, of where I was living, but it was perfect for Detroit. The single was the title track of the Godfather's first album. Yeah, a little punkish. A little 
birth, school, work, death. Scraped into the top 40. Made it up the uh, to number 38 on the Rock Tracks chart. They had a couple more that were modern rock hit songs. One, uh, two that were top 10 on the modern rock charts. Uh, she Gives Me Love, number 8 in 1989. And uh, Unreal Work, number 6 in 1991 on the modern rock charts. So they, they hung around for a while. A couple, couple brothers, Peter and Chris Coyne, formed the band. Peter announced in 2019 that he was parting ways with the band. His brother Chris had left in 2016. So if the Godfathers is around, uh, make sure you see Peter or Chris in the uh, in the listing for who's in the band or or it's really eh, it's really not the Godfathers. Couple more for you. Couple more. One of this I like talking about your Brian Adams sound. This was 19 let's go to August of 1988. Uh, a guy named John Kilzer. I'm going to play a song called Red Blue Jeans, number 14 back on the rock charts in 1988. Uh, this was Keith Sykes is a guy, a name you should know, somebody you should dig into a little deeper with the uh, Nashville and the Memphis and the bluesy and the groove and the swampy sounds. He helped uh, a lot of people. He helped Kilzer land a record deal for Geffen. He, uh, Todd Snyder, the great, Singer-songwriter talks a lot about Keith Sykes. Uh, Keith Sykes had his own own recording career. Uh, still put out albums into, shoot, I'm trying to think. when I, in, the, in the 90s, I bought an album from him. Nobody you know, nobody was clamoring for Keith Sykes music, I don't, except people who, who dug the way Keith Sykes sounded. Well, right, I mean, he wrote B-I-G-T-I-M-E. Fun rock and roll. That, that's Keith Sykes. Uh, check check out more of Keith. Do, do do Rob a favor. Do yourself a favor and do that. John Kilzer, back to John. Uh, he played hoop at Memphis State University, signed to Geffen in 87. Memory in the Making was his first album. Uh, 110 on the top 200 Billboard album chart. He wrote all the songs, except for Red Blue Jeans. He co-wrote it, though. Uh, with a guy named Richard Ford. Had some other hits. This was the one mainstream rock and roll chart. Went to number 12. Again, uh, they're, they're still mining that Brian Adams hit sound. I mean, yeah. Again, another song you, you just never hear. He went on to earn a Ph.D. in theology. John Kilzer did. Helped help people recover from substance abuse. And ended up himself dying in March of 2019. A couple more on rock, pop, and roll. New Orleans sound of the radiators. This one went to number eight on the rock tracks charts. Five-man lineup. It was around for years, 1979 to 2011. 
playing a lot of old blues, Muddy Waters, Jimmy Reed, Lightning Hopkins, Howlin' Wolf, Robert Johnson. Uh, this was a song that got them on the radio into the top ten on the rock radio charts. It's a little song called Confidential. Don't say a word. Giving me that, that uh, little feed vibe. Legends in New Orleans played the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival many times 2014, 15, 18, and 19. Yeah, that's just a groove. That's just a good groove. The Springsteen of Russia. Did you ever hear of Boris Grabenshikov? Takes all I have to pronounce that name. Uh, Radio Silence was a song that uh, it was produced by Dave Stewart of the Rhythmics in 1989. His biggest hit outside of Russia went to number seven on the Billboard Modern Rock charts. I remember it played on on rock radio and listened to it because of that comparison, that Springsteen of Russia. I don't know if I hear exactly that. There was something to it. I get talked about a wild child. You know that real wild one dancing alone in a middle of the world. Skin tears about silence. I got radio silence. I'm some kind of a silent enemy lawyer to feel full of strangers. And I don't remember it being played a lot. But it, but uh, the modern rock, uh, rock charts at that time. Embraced it enough to make it a top ten hit. Thought I'd throw you back to one that is like, what? I've never heard of that. Or, I haven't heard that in 30 years. Uh, I think it's we're up to the last song on our list. And this is one of my favorites. Uh, a singer, songwriter, guitarist out of Mississippi. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Started playing in bands. Well, he was playing guitar at age 12. Playing in bands when he was 14. I think he's still a DJ on uh, WMOT, which is uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, he, he had a, uh, this guy, the, this man, had a version of Steve Earle's Devil's Right Hand uh, from a 1986 album. But this song we're going to play is from his Island Records 1989 song. Um, and this is a place to talk about college radio just real quickly. In 1988, uh, Billboard, they introduced those modern rock track charts, which, you know, we've had a couple of songs that we've heard were hit hit those charts. It monitored airplay on what were called modern rock and college radio stations. Do you remember the, the show 120 Minutes on MTV? That kind of programming, that kind of sound with a, a lot of variation because of, of the, the variables of, of what a college rock radio station is. You know, it's kids playing can they are they fit in the format? Or are they playing what they like? But a lot of college rock songs crossed over and became nominal hits on a regular chart. There was a, a thing called the CMJ New Music Report, a publication that was keeping track of that scene. They had a chart of songs of bands that played on college radio bands like the Replacements and Husker Du, the Pixies, uh, the Cure, the Smiths, bands like that. This song got some college radio airplay. A little rock. I heard it on rock radio. I think I, again, saw the video. It's it's one of those that's criminally was underplayed at the time. It's like, why would you not play more of 
of Webb Wilder. Because that's rock and roll. It's a real screamer. I'm a human cannonball. Uh, my, bu- my buddy Rusty Bladen, who's a musician in, in southern Indiana, has been been great uh, great guitarist, singer-songwriter for years. And in, in one of his, his bands before he went solo back in the early 90s, uh, Roadwork was the band. They used to play a version of this with the drummer singing Human Cannonball. And how is this not played on rock radio? I mean, it was, but... Why is that not a bigger hit? It's rock, pop, and roll. That's who we are, and that's what we've been doing. Subscribe to Rock, Pop, and Roll wherever you get your podcast. And find all the episodes at rockpopandroll.com. And that's what you can do, the, the clearinghouse... The place to find uh, all the old episodes and all the writing and, uh, you know, rockforwardmusic.com is where we have our writing, our archives of stuff that I've written over the past 20 years. But go to rockpopandroll.com, rockpopandroll.com, and you can find anything and everything that you need to find out about us. There's an email that you can drop us a line to. Drop, drop us a line. <laughs> Who says that? Email me. Let me know if there's an artist or a, 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 something you want to hear more about. Have me research, and, and, and we'll do it. We've got one last fact on the way. Before we get out of here, share the show with someone. Tell somebody about Rock, Pop, and Roll if it resonates with you. Keith Sykes. You remember Keith Sykes? We talked about Keith Sykes. More than 100 of Keith Sykes' songs have been recorded by artists like John Prine and Roseanne Cash and the Judds and Jerry Jeff Walker and George Thorogood, though he may be best known for uh, co-writing a song called uh, Volcano for Jimmy Buffett from a 1979 album that he had. But we heard Keith Sykes doing big time, B-I-G-T-I-M-E, a guy named, you remember, Mitch Ryder. We've talked about this on a previous podcast, his album, Never Kick a Sleeping Dog, that was produced by John Mellencamp back in 1983 in Indiana at Mellencamp's recording studio that was called The Shack, and it was. But uh, the backstory was John Mellencamp was in Detroit for a radio interview, saw a picture of Mitch Ryder, wanted to know how to get in touch with Mitch. He did, in 1983, produced the album um, Never Kick a Sleeping Dog. John says, this is a, uh, a quote from, uh, did I get this from his bio? Or did I get this from his biography, the book? I didn't write down where I got this. That's all right. It's a quote. I wouldn't lie to you. He was concerned about, Mitch was, this is John talking. He was concerned about every little thing that was done. And I don't make records that way. I don't think he does either, John said. He approached it like it was his last chance to make a commercial record with a major record company. And I told him, that's not true. If it sells five copies, it doesn't matter. John went on to say the record was not meant to make or break Mitch Ryder, and it didn't. For the amount of money we had to spend and his frame of mind, it turned out pretty good. What? What? Read between those lines, whatever that means. He had a song on there, Mitch did. Uh, a cover of The Prince, When You Were Mine, that was the last song, I believe, that ever went 
into the Hot 100 for Mitch Ryder. 1983, When You Were Mine, went to number 87 on the Hot 100 charts, went to number 49 on the Rock Tracks charts of radio and records. Uh, to play us out, though, this is a, a version of the, of the Keith Sykes, B-I-G-T-I-M-E. George Thorogood also did a version of this in 1999 on his Half a Boy, Half a Man album. I don't think you can go. I saw Todd Snyder. Just speaking of Todd Snyder and Keith Sykes, Todd Snyder in the Nervous Rex when Todd had his bands uh, back in the mid-90s. Not regularly, but occasionally. I saw it happen a couple of times at a show. Would cover B-I-G-T-I-M-E, and it was always a, a rock and roll blast. And we're, and we're out of here with Mitch Ryder's version. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm Rob. This has been Rock, Pop, and Roll. Be good to each other. Rock, pop, and roll.